Hey folks, this is Jesse Cope, back with another episode of the American Soul Podcast. Hope y'all are doing well, wherever y'all are, whatever y'all are doing today. And I sure do appreciate y'all joining me for a little bit. And for those of y'all who continue to share the podcast, obviously I'm very grateful for y'all as well. Always like to remind y'all that that I'm appreciative and and, and grateful for y'all. So... Last podcast we started to talk about Columbus a little. And so this podcast we're going to we're going to keep going with that. Probably probably for this one today and a little bit more on the next one. And I had really intended folks to do the first podcast kind of on Columbus himself. Kind of to give a little bit more historical view of the man's motives because so often today he's painted as a purely evil purely greedy individual that came over here and just raped pillaged and plundered slaughtered natives and and stole things and treated them horribly and hopefully in the last episode we did a little bit to dent that because it's just not historically accurate and then the second episode I'd really intended to kind of do the opposite with a, not a lot, but definitely with some of the indigenous people as they're called today or, or the natives, because they're often portrayed as this wholly pure, wholly innocent, uh, completely taken advantage of group of individuals. And my point here is, is not to paint Columbus again as purely good because he wasn't no man is and my goal is not to paint the natives as purely evil because certainly not all of them were but it's just to restore a little bit of historical perspective here on Columbus as a man uh, his relationship with some of the natives and really how important this discovery of America, because it really was, again, folks, uh, we make a lot today of people who had come to America before, right? Uh, make a lot today of the, of the natives that lived there. But without Columbus, it would have taken somebody else. But there was really nobody else that was pushing for this, folks. Everybody... For years, we talked about this last episode, for for seven, almost eight years, people ridiculed him, laughed at him, called him crazy for even wanting to do this. And so without his, almost, folks, it, it <laughs> you hate to throw around the word supernatural, but the fact that you would continue to push for something having no real clue what was at the end of it other than as we kind of talked about last episode his faith in God and Jesus Christ it, it is pretty impressive folks and at any rate without him the vast majority of us would not be here today in America regardless of what our ancestry is, whether it's European or African or Asian or anything else. And the natives themselves would look 
wholly different and it would not be wholly good. See, that's what some people try and portray today as if, if Columbus had just stayed away and if all the Europeans and Africans and Asians that had come over here had just stayed away, then the Americas today would be this utopia, this perfect, wonderful, peaceful, hopeful society. And as we'll see over the next couple episodes, that just that wasn't even remotely close to true at all. So, so what we'll do, though, is we'll kind of continue on the first episode a little bit, and then we'll start to kind of talk about the natives and the relationship between Columbus and the natives and even Queen Isabella and King Ferdinand and their attitude toward the natives as we go through this. Because you'll see that it's definitely not, there was certainly not this push to destroy them. So I wanted to read a couple more things. Uh, One of the I found it interesting, folks. As they came across on this voyage, every morning, one of the young sailors on this first voyage of Columbus, they would get up and they would announce the day by singing out this poem. Blessed be the light of day and the holy cross we say, and the Lord of Verity and the Holy Trinity. Blessed be the immortal soul and the Lord who keeps it whole. Blessed be the light of day and he who sends the night away. And also as they made this trip, every time the hourglass was turned, which was on the half hour, which is how they marked time, a young sailor would proclaim every time it was turned, blessed be the hour our Lord was born, St. Mary who bore him, and St. John who baptized him. So there was a, a huge tie, folks. Every day it was part of their life was... God and Jesus Christ. Does that mean they always acted that way? No, not at all. Certainly not. We don't today. You can look around and see that. But it does take a pretty huge cynic to assume that every single sailor and member of this voyage could have that be such a large part of their life and have it take absolutely no effect on their life. So just by the way, if you can hear her in the background, taking one of our little walks, one of the cats has come out to join us, but she's not real interested in in us right now, I don't think, so she's just kind of walking along with us. <laughs> All right, we'll keep going. So it wasn't just Columbus's own words that showed his relationship to Christ and and that one of his primary, if not primary, goals was spreading Christianity in the New World. Once they got there and found these people, of course, they thought they were looking for the Indies. There were other observers that made comments that supported this. And I'm probably going to murder this name, folks, so I apologize. Bartolome de la Casas. Uh, 1474 to 1566, who was called the Apostle of the Indians. He was one of the first Christian missionaries, Christian missionaries in America, and one of the first priests ordained, or perhaps the first priest ordained in the New World. 
and became very well known for his devotion to oppressed and enslaved natives. And in addition to knowing Columbus personally, his father and uncle were shipmates and colonists under Columbus. So he copied Columbus's original journal of the first voyage, which <laughs> y'all can laugh. El Libro de la... Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop because I can't get there. <laughs> but his journal of the first voyage into his own handwriting. He, he recopied this. So he put a couple dates in here that I just thought were interesting. So on October 10th, 1492, these are Columbus's words translated by Casas. Here the people could stand it no longer, and they complained of the long voyage. But the admiral cheered them as best he could, holding out good hope of the advantages they would have. He added that it was useless to complain. He had come to go to the Indies, and so had to continue until he found them with the help of the Lord. Then again on October the 12th, 1492, at two hours after midnight, land appeared at a distance of two leagues. They handed all cells and set the trio, which is the main cell without bonnets, and lay to, waiting for daylight. Friday, when they arrived at an island of the Bahamas that was called San Salvador, So that they might be well disposed toward us, for I knew that they were a people to be delivered and converted to our holy faith, rather by love than by force. I gave some red caps and other glass beads, which they hung around their necks, and many other things of slight value. At this they were greatly pleased, and became so entirely our friends, that it was a wonder to see. I believe that they would easily be made Christians, for it seemed to me that they had no religion of their own. Our Lord willing, when I depart, I shall bring six or so of them back to your highnesses, that they may learn to talk our language. I think the, the thing here to note, folks, is just that in Columbus's journal, his first commentary, or, or one of his first commentaries on these natives, wasn't some sinister desire to take advantage of them. It was not, how can we kill them or enslave them? It was talking about sharing Christianity with these people, the words of Christ, which if you really dig into the words of Christ, talking about honoring, loving God with all your heart, mind, and soul, loving your neighbors, yourself, caring for the poor and the needy, the widow and the orphan, you do have to be pretty cynical to assume if this guy's talking about that, that his only goal in life was the exact opposite. There are some really evil people out there, folks, that that does apply to. But, well, we'll just keep going. So the first island that Columbus landed on, called San Salvador, meaning Holy Savior, he knelt and prayed, O Lord Almighty and everlasting God, by thy holy word, thou hast created the heaven and the earth and the sea. Blessed and glorified be thy name, and praised be thy majesty, which has deigned to use us, thy humble servants, that thy holy name may be proclaimed in the second part of the earth. And as they landed on each island, Columbus had his men erect a large wooden cross, as a token, he said, of Jesus Christ our Lord and in honor of the Christian faith. 
And according to his personal log, the the purpose, his purpose, his main purpose in seeking undiscovered worlds was to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the heathens and bring the word of God to unknown coastlands. So again and again, you see the same theme, right? His goal stated over and over and over again was to bring Christianity to the natives, to these people that didn't know God and Jesus Christ. It seems if the person's real goal was simply greed and power and and everything that's talked about him today, it seems like an awful lot of trouble to go to to pretend otherwise, to leave all that for heredity. So the Santa Maria ran aground on Christmas Eve, December 24th, 1492, and the ship had to be abandoned. And so on Haiti, Columbus left 40 men in a settlement named La Navidad, meaning the nativity. And he promised to return the next year. This is going to become pretty important. We probably won't get to it in this episode, but we will come back to it. There's, this is going to involve the natives. At any rate, we'll get back to it probably in the next episode. On January 13th, 1493... So about a month later, he described their first encounter with the cannibalistic tribe of the Canabs, if I'm saying that, or the Caribs, from which Caribbean originates, which is the the English word cannibal is derived from the Spanish word carib, which means piranha. So we're going to start to talk about this, folks, but... A lot of these natives turned out to be cannibalistic in a very horrible way. Uh, And we will talk about that definitely more in the next episode. Well, I think we got time for one more. So we're going to read through this real quick. On February 15th, 1493, on his return trip from having discovered America, Christopher Columbus wrote to the king and queen of... Spain, from aboard the ship Caravel, anchored off the Canary Islands. To the first island, which I found, I have given the name San Salvador in recognition of his heavenly majesty, who marvelously hath given all this. I forbade that the natives should be given things so worthless as pieces of broken crockery and broken glass and lace points, although when they were able to get them, They thought that they had the best jewelry in the world. Thus it was learned that a sailor for a lace point received gold to the weight of two and a half Castilians, and others much more for other things which were worth much less. Yea, for new blancas, for them they would give all that they had, although it might be two or three Castilians weight of gold or an aurora or two of spun cotton. They even took pieces of the broken hoops of the wine casks and, like animals, gave what they had so that it seemed to me wrong, and I forbade it. And I gave them a thousand good, pleasing things which I had brought in order that they might be fond of us and, furthermore, might become Christians and be inclined to the love and service of their highnesses and the whole Castilian nation, Spain." And try to help us and give us the things 
which they have in abundance, which are necessary to us. And they know neither sect nor idolatry, with the exception that they all believe that the source of power and goodness is in the sky. And they believe very firmly that I, with these ships and people, came from the sky, and in this belief they everywhere received me after they had overcome their fear. And this does not result from their being ignorant, for they they are of a very keen intelligence, and men who navigate all those seas, so that it is a wondrous and good account they give of everything, but because they have never seen people clothed or ships like ours. So I'm going to end with this, folks. I just put it in there because it shows Columbus wasn't, when some of his sailors started to try and take advantage of the natives, he forbid them from doing that, from trading these worthless pieces of broken pottery and trinkets, glass beads and trash like that, from trading with the natives and taking things that were much more valuable from them, even though these people had no clue that that's what was going on. So just realize that, hear that, because it kind of, it, it actually it goes right against the narrative that we hear so often today of people trying to attack and degrade Columbus and, and raise up uh, the natives as this pure source of utopia while they tear Columbus down as just a purely evil man. And I think at that point, folks, I'll leave you alone. So in the next episode, we'll talk a little bit more about, we'll go back to that cannibalistic tribe and some of the experiences there. And we'll talk a little bit about the end of Columbus's life because it really was a pretty short period of time from when he made the first discovery, you know, 92 to 1506. And he made another few trips back and forth. Y'all have a wonderful rest of whatever is left of your day. Hopefully it goes smoothly. And thank y'all again for joining me here for a little bit. Thank y'all for spreading the word about the podcast. Hope that y'all are doing well. God bless y'all. God bless America. We'll talk to you again real soon.